Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. It's Dave Player back with you on 720 WGN. So this winter marks the 40th anniversary of the hit 1970s TV sitcom Laverne and Shirley, which premiered in 1976, and by its third season, it became the most-watched American television program, even surpassing the ratings of the program it spun off of, and that was Happy Days, and it lasted for eight seasons. And it starred Cindy Williams, half of the comedic duo of Laverne and Shirley, along with Penny Marshall. Now, Cindy's first big film was American Graffiti with Ron Howard, Richard Dreyfus, and Harrison Ford. She also has producer roles to her credit on movies like Steve Martin's Father of the Bride. She has performed on Broadway and on stage in the national tours of Greece, Moon Over Buffalo and Nonsense, and to celebrate four decades of this classic sitcom, Cindy Williams joins us tonight. Hello there, Cindy. Hey, Dave. Even I'm impressed. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you've had such a long, great career, man. I mean, you've had a lot of fun. Yeah, I've had fun, and I have been so blessed. You absolutely have. You absolutely have. And you know, I, when I was growing up, Tuesday nights were all about, I was born in 67, so Tuesday nights were all about Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley, and I'm feeling my age a little bit, because I can't believe it's been 40 years since this show went on the air. Hey, honey, you and me both. <laughs> 40 years. In fact, you know, I'm um, I'm up rehearsing a play in L.A. I live in the desert, and, and uh, I'm staying at Penny's house, and the other night she said, it's been 40 years. And I said, since what? And she said, since we premiered. And I said, oh, that was all those tweets I just got, you know, in my. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty fantastic, Dave. It really is. And I just consider myself, you know, among the lucky ones, real lucky and really blessed by God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I read your autobiography, Shirley, I Just, A Story Life, that came out last year. And I got to tell you, a very inspirational book, um, I felt. And, you know, you talked about growing up and all your childhood experiences. And some were a little tough, you know, growing up. You grew up with an alcoholic parent. But, you know, I can't imagine it's it's ever that easy. But writing about it, did you feel it healing to talk about it and kind of get it off your chest and, and really realize the amazing life you have and continue to have? You know, if you're the first person who's asked me that, and it's a great question, and I thought about it afterwards, and not while I was writing it, it was hell to write it, because, you know, I was talking to my sister, and she said, don't say that, don't say that. I said, believe me, you know, I'm going to tell the truth, and everybody comes out looking like, smelling like a rose, and um, um, it was tough writing it and uh but a lot of fun at the same time just like my childhood was just like my life has been tough and fun and um i you know afterwards looking back on it i thought wow that was some life or has been up to this point some life but i never you know like all of us we just we go along in our lives and we live our lives and but then when you start when you get to my age and you start um looking back and really uh giving it perspective you think wow and there's certain things you go i need to correct that 
And that was fabulous, and thank you, Lord. And, but, you know, I mean, there are things you need to pick up and and make straight. And um, it's just really, it was very fulfilling. And, but I was terrified when I was writing it because there was a deadline, as you know, mm-hmm, about yeah. deadline. Right. And I... I thought I'll never, I'll never finish this, and I did. I made it right under the hour, you know, right down to the line. And I thought um, this would make a fabulous two-act play about trying to the, just the last twenty-eight hours of trying to finish the book and getting <laughs> it in, you know, and meeting the deadline. Yeah, and that was fun too. But I have a friend who says, you know, Cindy, if you didn't have high drama in your life, you, you wouldn't. You know, you wouldn't know how to live. And that's the truth. That is true, because everybody's got their stuff. I mean, everybody wants to think they don't, but everybody's got their stuff. Everybody, everybody, and everybody's life is special. And I learned that from writing the book. Everyone's life is special and unique and fantastic. Now, you decided early on in your life that you wanted to become an actress. I mean, this was high school years, maybe, or was it even before that? Well, it was high school, but I also wanted, really in high school, I wanted to be an ER nurse. And um, I think I was ahead of the curve there because I saw the drama in it. But um, (laughs) I was, you know, I was in the drama, uh, um, I was in drama in high school. And uh, I just, I figured everybody could do, you know, theater, that everybody could do comedy and drama but I wanted to be a nurse, but I I have ADD and dyslexia, and because of that, I, I didn't know it at the time, right. but because of that, I wasn't academically inclined, shall we say, mm-hmm. and so I kept getting, like, C's in biology, and this is after repeating it in summer school, and then I <laughs> thought, who the heck wants a nurse that got a C twice <laughs> in biology, yeah. you know, and had to take it again <laughs> and average it out? So, you know, I started looking around for something else to do, and I and I had friends in the drama class that I was in in high school, and they were going to Los Angeles City College and taking the theater arts course there, which was very tough. I didn't know it at the time, but uh, I thought, well, heck, I could do that, and maybe I could get my B.A. and teach drama. And so then I gave up my nursing career, Dave, and I headed toward... Um, a teaching career, which also did not pan out because I was not academically inclined. And, you know, looking back on it now, I think, well, if the good Lord had, you know, really had a purpose for me, then he just kept blocking me being an academic and um, and just headed me toward comedy, which which came naturally to me. And... Um, And so, therefore, I had the blessing of being able to make people laugh. Well, and you had the determination back then, because I know, you know, you didn't have a lot of money. Folks didn't have a lot of money. And you put yourself through college. I mean, that and you were working at the same time of going to college. That was a lot (laughs) of determination. Right. I put myself through junior college. That's how poor I was. (laughs) I couldn't afford, you know, the one book I needed um, for junior college, which was called Definite, Definite Economic and Telling Movement. And uh, it was for uh, the theater arts uh, class I was in. 
And I needed, how much was it? Like $12 to buy this book. And my mother said, I don't have that money. And uh, why do you need books? Don't they give you books? And I said, no, evidently they don't in junior college. And so yeah. I um, I went to the student union or to wherever they were giving student loans, and I applied, and they said, oh, you know, uh, we have this new thing called affirmative action. And I did not get a loan because I wasn't ethnic enough, and I wasn't poor enough, and I kept saying, I'm Sicilian and Welsh, and we're really poor. Yeah. And they said, sorry. Yeah, it's amazing. So every day at noon, I um, I had to, you know, rearrange my classes. So I, you know, I got on a bus and I got a job in downtown L.A. as a PBX operator, um, beginning with that. And uh, I just went on from there. And it was really good. It was great. You know, and that work ethic was wonderful that that pushed me into. That's very cool. I mean, you and you and you worked hard because you were paying and, and you were going to school at the same time. Now, you know, well, tell me about the actor studio, because I know you were part of that, too. That kind of honed your skills as well. Well, actually, um, what happened there was and I write about that in my book. I um, I had a friend who was this marvelous actor, uh, Vern Joyce. And in college, he was just brilliant, brilliant. And uh, he was an actor by night and a pharmacist by day. Anyway, that's how brilliant he was. Wow. He had gone to New York, and he had um, auditioned for the Actors Studio, which started out with like 2,000 people, something like that. I could be wrong, but it was like this, mm-hmm. you know, high number of people. Sure actors who started out auditioning and they had honed it down to I don't know how many but he'd moved in the pro- in in that whole process he had moved back to the west coast and um he asked me if I would do his final scene with him and at the actor studio and I thought oh sure I'd always wanted to act with him cuz he was just brilliant still is to this day and um I, it, so the pressure was off of me going in. I was just, you know, facilitating his scene, his three-minute scene in front of Lee Strasberg and the others who were on the panel watching. So um, we went on and we did a scene from Petulia. And uh, he told me, you know, we're going to go on stage with whatever's on stage you have to use as uh, props and furniture. And uh, we have three minutes. We begin. Whenever they say thank you, we bow and say thank you and walk off. I said, easy. So we did it. <laughs> I had no nerves because it was his audition, right. not mine. Well, in the end, there were nine people that were... Um, taken into the actor's studio that year, and among them was Vern and myself. And Robert De Niro was another one, and Sally Field, who I'd gone to high school with, was another one. And I tell you, I was over the moon and didn't need a rocket. It was so fantastic. So I was made a member of the actor's studio, and I, I was fortunate enough to go and sit in on sessions where Lee Strasberg himself uh, was the moderator, and it was 
amazing. That's pretty cool. So um, that's my actor studio story. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, we're talking to Cindy Williams about American movie classic American Graffiti and the 40th anniversary of Laverne and Shirley. And there's more with Cindy next on 720 WGN. Dave Plyer on 720 WGN. And we're talking to Cindy Williams about her first movie role in the screen classic American Graffiti and the 40th anniversary of classic 70s sitcom Laverne and Shirley. You were getting guest roles on various television shows, and not long after that, American Graffiti came along. And I know when you auditioned, you auditioned for a different role. How did that all come about? I wanted to play Debbie, the right. the, um, the bad girl that Candy Clark played, but uh, it had already been cast with Candy, so uh, and they couldn't, you know, cast this ingenue. So I said, oh, come on. You know, all she does is weep and whine all night. <laughs> and they said, we can't find anyone. You have to audition for it. And, and so I said, okay, because they were friends. You know, Fred Roos was my friend, and he started me out in show business. So I said, okay. And I went over, and I auditioned with Ron Howard. Ronnie. He was Ronnie then. Right. Ronnie Howard. And um, he was just lovely. And I, I and I had just gotten, you know, l- I had literally just gotten off the plane from um, Spain where I had shot um, Travels with my aunt, and I was jet-lagging. So I I told Ronnie, I said, I'm going to have to hold the script. And he said, that's okay. And he, pardon me, Ugh, I've got the hiccups. Oh, that's he, a- was so, he was so sweet, Ron Howard, and he said, that's okay, you can hold the script. And so I did, and we, you know, we did we did our screen test and left, and then they offered me the role. And the rest is show business history. Yeah, I mean, not bad for, for a first big film, you know, produced by Francis Ford Coppola, who just came off The Godfather, writer-director George Lucas. I know, you know, I've read it's, it wasn't a really easy movie to make because it first started as a project for United Artists, then it made a way, its way to Universal. Um, the film ended up, you know, with a with a small budget. It was like a little over a million dollars, and it grossed. No, no, it wasn't. It was seven hundred and seventy five thousand dollars, and most of that went to the rights uh, to pay off the rights for the music. Oh, God. in the movie, imagine that. So, uh, Harrison Ford, and I know Harry doesn't mind me saying this. He was paid four hundred dollars a week. <laughs> And and Richard and Ronnie and I were paid the most. We were paid a thousand dollars a week for four weeks. That was it. Wow! But it, but it grossed like fifty five million eventually. I mean, this thing was a, it was nominated for an Oscar, won Best Picture at the Golden Globes. I mean, this is this is one of those movies that you that you put on the shelf and say this is an iconic piece of Americana. Yes, it is, and it's on the AFI one hundred yeah. top best movies of all time list and. And, uh, yeah, and we had no idea. We thought we were doing a hot rod movie. And then two weeks into it, which was half of the production, we were, um, George invited us, invited us into the editing bay to watch a 20-minute assemblage of the film with music. And when that was over, our jaws, we picked our jaws up off the ground, and we all knew we were in something majestic. Was that the role that said to you in everything you did so far, like, wow, this is this is the the role that really said, I'm on my way? I mean, this is it? This was the tra- trajectory for me? You know, I wouldn't say it was the role, but I'd say it was the film. And um, because, okay. 
you know, that wasn't the, my thing, playing. Although up till then, I'd never gotten to play comedy, which I wanted to play so badly. And uh, I was always the lead's best friend. I was always the ingenue's best friend. And then in American Graffiti, I was the actual ingenue. But um, where everybody else got to have fun and hijinks, I just wept all night, you know. And um, But that was the job, and I was certainly in the movie that changed everything around for me. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely it did. And then, you know, I was reading right before Laverne and Shirley, you and Penny were writing uh, a movie together. Is that right? So did you meet uh, writing this movie, or was it before then that you got to know each other? No, we had met before then on a double date, oddly enough. Really? And um yeah, that's in the book about when we went to the Coconut Grove and that's where we met and that's where little Richard blessed us and um <laughs> and we always you know, gave him the thumbs up for the success of Laverne and Shirley for that blessing. <laughs> And, um, but, um, cause he, w- we went to the coconut grove to see Liza Minnelli or we were taken there by our dates to see Liza Minnelli and, uh, opening for her was little Richard. And, um, there's a whole thing in the book about that, but, um, yeah, we, we were writing. And then after that, we were writing partners on this, um, film for Francis Coppola, who, who was producing this bicentennial spoof, and there were teams of writers my country, on it. My and, Country um, Tis of Thee, right? My Country Tis of Thee, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It never got made. Yeah. It was very funny. Carl Gottlieb was the um, producer on that, and Steve Martin, Martin Mull, Harry Shear, just fabulous writers were writing on it, and they had asked me and Penny to team up don't ask and write. And that was the first time we really worked together. And, um, you know, we had the same sensibility, this kind of cartoon minds. You know, we had these cartoon, we saw things in cartoon terms. And uh, we wrote very funny sketches for that movie. Well, all right, stick around. There's more with actress Cindy Williams next on 720 WGN. Dave Player on 720 WGN, and we're talking to Cindy Williams about her first movie role in the screen classic American Graffiti and the 40th anniversary of classic 70s sitcom Laverne and Shirley. Tuesday night, November 11, 1975, you debuted as Shirley on this episode of Happy Days. How did that all come along? Was it was it Gary that engaged uh, Penny, or, or how did that all go? Well, that's why we were writing. Uh, we got a phone call, and it was Gary, and he asked Penny, he said, I got these two parts on Happy Days, these two <laughs> girls who date the fleet. I love your Gary and, impersonation. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, I thought maybe you and Cindy could come over, take a week off, come over, play the parts. And, and Penny said, yeah, here, here's Cindy. And she put me on the phone, and he said, you know, that to me. And I said, yeah, sounds like fun. If Carl will let us go and Carl let us go. And we went over and played these two girls. Oh my goodness. We had no (laughs) idea. Neither one of us had ever seen happy day. She hadn't seen it. And I didn't have a TV and uh, at the time. And, 
so we just played these girls coming on. We were smoking real cigarettes when we came on Is in that rehearsal. Right? <laughs> oh yeah, fixing each other's lingerie, pulling up each other's bra straps, and doing all this stuff. And the director. Um, I just remember it was pretty damn sexy for that show to have to have. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you you played a pretty well, cool role. We had role. no idea. We were on like a family. We didn't even know what a family show meant. Just, and, and we flicked our cigarettes across the stage and came on. And then uh, Jerry Paris, who was directing, said, right. "Stop!" And he said, "You can't smoke. This is family hour. You can't smoke. Go off stage and begin again." And we had no idea what the heck he was talking about. Just thirty-five you know, family million. hour. What was he talking about? Family, family hour, hour and thirty-five million people watching this show. And we we just had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> so we put the cigarettes out, and we just and, and we were chewing gum. We said, "All right, we'll chew gum, and we'll have bobby pins in our hair, and we'll cut the checking each other's bra straps out, and we'll just come on, whatever." And so we did, and uh, we did the show and we went back to our little writing job and then about i don't know two three weeks later somebody called and said they want to do a spinoff again we had no idea what that meant and we it had to be explained to us what a spinoff was and uh you know and then it went on from there yeah but it went that happened so quickly i mean it was literally it aired in november and you and you were on the air in january and by the way the the week you premiered it was number one. The show was number one the week it premiered. I mean, it became, you know, a few years later, you were the number one show on television, but it was the most watched show for the premiere. That's crazy. Oop, did I lose you? You know, Penny and I, it, it was like, um, I don't know, taking two, um, I, I don't know, waitresses and saying, you're famous. <laughs> <laughs> saying what? I, I'm I'm telling you, it took us a year to catch up with and get and say, oh, we get it. Yeah. We had no idea. We were so naive. And, you know, I mean, someone asked me just today, they asked me about the accent on the show. I said, it was so fast and everything. And then it started and every cast member had was from back east and they all had these you know ac- eastern accents right, yeah. and so i thought well i better have one too and i didn't even have time to process that or think about it and uh, so i just adopted this sort of you know kind of Bad, very bad New York accent. <laughs> it was thicker in the beginning 13, of the show. Yeah, it was. Be- oh, it was terrible, terrible. <laughs> it was awful, and I knew it. But I thought, well, everybody else has yeah. it, but we're from from Milwaukee. Yeah, right. What the heck, you know? And I thought, well, Milwaukee, maybe they have, you know, those those accents. Anyway, thirteen weeks into it, Gary came down onto the stage, and I write about that in the book, yeah. and he said. Yeah. Cindy, I want to talk to you about the accent. I said, lose it? He said, yes. I said, thank you. <laughs> and that was the end of that. And that was but, the end uh, of we that. Hadn't, Penny and I had no time to process this. None. It's like being taken from, uh, I don't even know, oblivion into like the Kleeglites. I, I, e- I can't even describe it to anybody. It's like, uh, it's just 
Yeah. Just daunting. Yeah. Daunting. Yeah. No, you know, it, it, and then about a year later, it caught up with us, or we caught up with it, and said, so this is what it's like. And we were famous, and it's just like, oh, my God. And people ask me, what's it like to be famous? It's like everything you think it is. It's just like uh, overwhelming, fabulous, thrilling, daunting, you know, a little frightening and uh, wonderful. Do you remember the first, like, public appearance you made outside of the studio? Um, what that was like? Because I've, I've, I've talked to Henry Winkler about the days of happy days and, and walking off a plane and seeing these people. And he was wondering who those people were here to see. Was the president landing here? What was the crowds for? I mean, right? Well, the first time we realized we were really popular, we were in the asked to do the Macy's Day Thanksgiving right. Day Parade. Yeah. And um, so we were on this float and um, we're coming down Fifth Avenue. It's Fifth Avenue, right? Mm-hmm. And the uh, Macy's started Ma- pushing. Yeah, Macy's would have been six. Broadway, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, go ahead. Where, wherever it was, and um, and this, um, and we look, and this, we're up on the float waving, and this crowd starts, and they break the barriers, they push the barriers down, and they wow. start running toward us. And Penny and I look behind us to see who they were running toward. <laughs> <laughs> we thought it was the Rolling Stones or somebody, and it was us. That's awesome. And then the police came and stopped the crowd, and that was the first time that I think either one of us realized the popularity of the show. But the characters were so great. It was such a fun show. You know, the upbeat, always smiling, cute Shirley Feeney and the tough, sarcastic Laverne DeFazio on this, on this program. And at the time, and and I just remember people talking about this because there were real water cooler moments at the time. There was no social media. The social media was talking about what you saw the next day at school, the next day at work. And people compared you to like a modern day Lucy and Ethel. They were talking about Lucille Ball and Vivian Vance, that you were the next incarnation of this great comedy duo. That's pretty cool. That is. It's just beyond, you know, honoring and thrilling. It's just unbelievable. But, you know, Penny and I, we never thought about that. What we thought of was what made us laugh. And what we thought of in rehearsal was, because some of the script, you know, I mean, some of the shows weren't great. And, and there were some that were, I'd put them up there with wonderful, wonderful comedy shows but um, we would, in rehearsal, if it didn't make us laugh out loud, then we knew it wasn't going to make the audience laugh out loud. So our goal each week between us was, and the whole cast, was to make ourselves laugh out loud because we knew that would translate to the studio audience, and then again to the television audience and make everybody laugh out loud. That's what we tried to do. And, and uh, Well, you challenged the writers. You challenged the writers to make it a better we show. We did. We challenged. Yeah. The, yeah. Well, what we do is, because we were writers ourselves, we would right. improvise mm-hmm. 
you know, uh, during rehearsal, and we would change things around. We got ourselves into trouble because of that. And, you know, and looking back on it, we did not give the writers their due respect. We didn't because we were so just hell-bent to do our own thing, make sure that it was funny, 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 as funny as we could make it. We'd throw things out, and people would get their feelings hurt. And, you know, Penny and I, we realize it now, but we didn't realize it back then that we were hurting people's feelings. And there had to be, you know, but that being said, everybody did pull together, and the writers would come down and see what we made of their themes, you know, what we made right. of their writing. And um, well, ultimately, I think it ultimately, became a mutual admiration society. Well, I was going to say, ultimately, you made a better product together. Really, we we did yeah. all of us yeah. writers, producers, everybody yeah. included, because all of us, including the writers, wanted to make that audience laugh out loud. All right. Well, we're talking to Cindy Williams about American movie classic American Graffiti and the 40th anniversary of Laverne and Shirley. And there's more with Cindy next on 720 WGN. And there is no reason on earth why Prince Charming cannot walk through our front door. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. It's Dave Plyer on 720 WGN. And we're talking to Cindy Williams about four decades of 70s TV comedy, Laverne and Shirley. You were surrounded by great people on, on in front of the camera, too. Michael McKeon, David Lander, Eddie Mecca, Phil Foster, Betty Garrett. I mean, it was just such a fun group. Oh, my goodness. The entire cast. You know, I, I hope I said that before. It wasn't just me and Penny. It was the entire cast that was in sync. In fact, one time... I said, you know, if this cast was an Olympic team, if they had an Olympic, if they had Olympic teams for comedy, we'd medal. <laughs> we'd at yeah. least take the bronze. I remember saying that to Penny one night, and it was about the whole cast. I mean, we were just always in sync, all of us, no matter what was going on backstage, no matter if Penny and I were arguing about something or anything, we hit that stage and all of us. We're in sync. I bet you it was tough too. I've seen I've seen some of the DVD collections and the blooper reels and stuff. It was probably hard to keep a straight face in some of the stuff because, as you said, you wanted to make it so funny while you're on the air. It must have been hard not to break character. Well, it was, but you know what, Dave? We didn't um, we didn't have too many bloopers because we had we had laughed it out during rehearsal. <laughs> there were a few. Um, yeah. And there was one in particular that we never stopped laughing. It, it's on. It's in the show. We don't stop. La- we can't stop <laughs> laughing at ourselves. That's great. And um, it. it's in the dating show where um, we get wet because we run out and there's a fire hydrant has exploded or something, and the fire department's there. And we'd just gotten ready for dates, and we run out because the boys say something to us, Lenny and Squiggy, and we run outside, and <laughs> we get totally soaked. And we come in, and Penny and I just, and, and you know, we we saved everything for the show. We, in, in other words, we didn't run it, like, with the water, with the wetness, until the actual show. Right. And so that one, we could not 
bite our cheeks enough to keep ourselves from laughing. <laughs> and awesome. so you see it. You see it there. Uh, you know, do you have some favorite episodes that you say, gosh, those were those are my favorite? Is that That's got to be one of them, obviously. I've got a couple. I've got Murder on the Moose Jaw Express, which is a, double, a two-parter, and um, Guinea Pigs, which is where we want to go to this cocktail party at the Hotel Fister to meet oh, yeah. professional men. And so we volunteer at the at Lenny and Squiggy's um, personal little gold mine, which is a experimental laboratory, you know, and people volunteer to go in and they get 20 bucks each. And we needed the 20 bucks to get into this cocktail party, so we volunteer. And um, that's one of my... Yeah. That's one of my favorite shows. And um, then... I would say for me, it was one of the early ones was the one where you were um, going to a high society party and Henry Winkler was a guest. That's the premiere show. Is that the first show? show. Oh, my God. Honestly, that's a classic. That is just a absolute classic because it really established the characters. Where we get our um, we get our our dresses from uh, Squiggy's uncle's wax museum. Yes, exactly. He brings us it just sounds silly, off of the models at the wax museum, and we go to this party, this high society party. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was the first show. And um, let's see, I, don't, I, you know, I there's there's like thirteen. I'd say there's thirteen or fourteen shows that are my favorite. And Penny and I have like. Four of them that cross over that are both That's of cool. our favorite shows. That's cool. So yeah, there's 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 some shows that I would say are right up there. I'd put them up there with, you know, up against any comedy. But we had some real dogs. We had some real shows. Some shows that were not so funny. And Penny and I tried and tried and tried. And uh, we just couldn't, we could make certain parts of them funny, but, you know, it just didn't come up to snuff for whatever reason. Sure. And at some point in, uh, I think it was uh, after season five, the series locale changed from Milwaukee to Hollywood. Did you, did you like that? Was that something that you both were fond of? Did it give you something new to do? No, we hated it. No, we were very upset. We argued and argued with Gary and he would not relent. He said, it's going to be better because you moved to Hollywood. We can get guest stars. And we said, no, we need to leave it in Milwaukee yeah. in that basement apartment. Yeah. And he just, you know, he was just hell-bent to make it Hollywood. And so, you know, it was Hollywood. Hollywood it was. And you went on for another few seasons uh, there, but the last season, and and it was always odd to me, and you write about this in the book, too, it was really just uh, Laverne. (laughs) You know, I know you were pregnant at the time, and is that why you left the series at that point? Because I think you were on maybe the first episode or second episode of that final season, and then you were gone. Right. It was just a bunch of hullabaloo. Yeah. And, um... But they had, the studio had never dealt, I was the first person that they tried to deal with who was pregnant. And they kept booking me to do shows when I was, it was the week I was due to to deliver my baby. And I kept arguing, you know, and saying, no, no, no. 
and they just didn't get it. And then it went back and forth and back and forth, and I got tired. And then it was like, you're fired, I quit. You know, I mean, it was just like that. I quit, you're fired. And that was it. And I was happy to be home, actually, and to rest. And um, they went on for a year with um, Laverne and Company and, um, and did the show. And I was happy, you know, that they went on. And I was happy that I got to stay at home and have my beautiful little daughter. Was that tough for Penny to, to see you, you know, walk away? I mean, there's reasons for this, obviously. You had, a, you had a baby. But was that tough between the two of you? That's a good question. Uh, well, I'm sitting in her den right now. Right. Things have changed, so, obviously. Um, yeah, I know. But um, it was both. It was both tough and okay. Yeah. I have to say, yeah. it was. It was tough for both of us in our own yeah. different ways, yeah. and it was okay in yeah. our own different ways. Yeah, and obviously, you know, it was just life. It was just life. Yeah, right. Right. It's just what happened at the time. Well, I got to tell you, my my ten year old daughter. Uh, watches a show called Sam and Cat on, on Nickelodeon. Oh, and, Sam and Cat, yeah. <laughs> and she's 10, and, and maybe she was 9 when this was on, and she yelled one day, Dad, Dad, you got to come down the stairs. Those those girls that we saw on that show on MeTV after Happy Days, they're, they're, they're on the show. you got to come here and see this. It was, it was funny because there you are because you guys, you know, you've done reunion shows together, but really acting on screen together, that was like the first time in quite a long time that you did that. Right, and I'd always said when we they you know they um, offered these reunion shows, I said, well, why don't we do a movie of the week? Why doesn't the whole cast just get together and and, and let's do a movie of the week? And uh, no, no, nobody wanted to do that. So then Sam and Cat came along, and Penny said, well, that'll be fun. So we went to do it, and. Um, you know, they put boxing gloves on us for this fight, and we didn't expect that. And Penny said, well, we're not going to be able to, like, use our hands to slap fight. And that was a thing we always did with <laughs> right, slap fight. Right, right, right. And the they fast, said, yeah. no, we want the boxing gloves on you. And, oh, man, we just went back and forth with the boxing gloves. And so finally, you know, the producers won, and it was boxing gloves. So Penny said, well, just, you know, I said, I'll bite your ankles. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. But and she said, "I'll sit down." But I'll sit down. But isn't it funny and the two of sat you sat down? And that was it. <laughs> but isn't That's it f- all we did? But isn't it funny that we the- didn't have our hands? We didn't have our hands. We had them in boxing gloves. And she said, "She can't punch me. That's not funny." And she was right. And um, you know, if they'd let us have our hands, we could have had a wonderful slap fight <laughs> with each other that wouldn't have hurt anybody and it would have been very funny but they insisted on those boxing gloves and we did it you know the way they wanted it done but it was a lot of fun those girls were fabulous and um and we had a lot of fun together but think about what you just said decades later after you said you know you and penny were on the set and you wanted to make it better and you'd make recommendations here you are first time working together on set on a on a sitcom and you guys are telling them <laughs> what should be done better, what will be funny, because you've done this. You've been there, and you've done that, right? Right. Yeah. The producers, you know, 
we acquiesced to what they wanted. We had learned our lesson. Right. And so, okay, boxing gloves it is, and I'll just bite her ankle. Very cool. Very cool. Well, you can catch Laverne and Shirley every weeknight at 8.30 Central on MeTV. The series is also out on DVD, and you can catch Cindy's book, Shirley I Just, A Storied Life, at Amazon.com, or uh, check out your local bookseller. Cindy, what an inspirational story, and what a pleasure it has been hanging out with you tonight. You too, Dave. Thank you so much. And send my best to Ms. Marshall as well. I will tell her that first thing in the morning. (laughs) Okay. All right. Good night, Cindy. Thanks again. All right, Dave. Good night. Good night.